Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song? course our best smartphone deals your choice of plan learn how to get the new samsung galaxy s24 plus with galaxy ai on us with eligible trade-in at&t connecting changes everything offers vary by device subject to change s24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time terms and restrictions apply see att.com samsung for details this is holly fry from stuff you missed in history class The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories. And today we have a story of friendship from a former Marine, Jason Porter. Here's Jason with a story 
of his best friend, Forrest Johnson, a.k.a. Fari. My first recollection of him was I used to go to breakfast several times a week right over here at the Red Hot Inn. And he was always there every single day at a certain time. And he sat by himself and he had a hat on and it said 95th Infantry on it. And it had a, you know, you see veterans wear pins and stuff on their hat, but he had a combat infantryman's badge on his pin. And I knew he was a World War II veteran. And I observed him for several weeks or months, never talked to him. And finally, I'm like, I got to, I got to go talk to this guy. Uh, we spent a ton of time just talking, drinking coffee. And through that, he brought me to the veterans group. And this veterans group was very unique when I got there because I was by far the youngest guy there. Everybody in that group, most of them were all World War II veterans. Time frame would have been about 2002 was the first time I went there. So there was probably 60 or 70 local World War II veterans who were still alive who went to that group. I'm actually seeing guys here at this group. Like you would read about just incredible events that you would see on the History Channel or, or, or study about. These guys were actually there. So I met guys who actually landed at Iwo Jima, who actually parachuted in on Normandy on D-Day. There was a guy who was on the USS Indianapolis. I met guys who unlocked the gates at Dachau. Like, these are the kind of guys I got to meet there. And they talked among veterans, among friends, among peers, unvarnished. And these guys are really, really um, the greatest generation, my heroes. I really looked up to these guys. When people look at Europe, everybody thinks of D-Day. Well, D-Day was like, that was the very, very beginning of the campaign. When D-Day happened, there was about four, five, or six divisions that landed on the beach that day. The 95th is actually known for the campaign and Metz. Leading up to that campaign, that's where Forey and his unit, you know, they were decimated there, really. So they form in 1942. They trained and lived together 24-7, 365 for approximately two years. They're the plank owners. They're the first original organic group of guys that come together to form this division. And once they deploy into France and they deploy into the battlefield, those outfits get consumed by casualties in the battle. So he joined in 42 and he deployed to France with Patton's 3rd Army and the 95th Infantry and left the battlefield on November 10th, 1944. In the assault in Ammonvillers, before he talked about a guy was, was shooting at him, a sniper was shooting at him, and he took a rifle grenade, and a rifle grenade, you put it in the, in the end of the barrel of your rifle, and he shot, and it went up in the top of a barn, and he got the guy that was shooting at him. They continued the assault, and before he went to cross a road, like a platoon is on one side, the other guy's on the other side. And have you ever heard of a German 88? So it's designed to shoot planes out of the sky at tens of thousands of feet. Well, the Germans actually then employed them as anti-tank and then anti-personnel. And the thing that makes this thing so incredible was the velocity of the round. So Forey and his guys, they're moving up the street and 
Fourier at some point had to had to cross the street, and there's a German 88, like two miles away, has the street just dialed in, and a German 88 hits beside Fourier, so it shoots down the road and blows up and just blows into a cone. So had Fourier been completely in that impact zone, I mean, he wouldn't have been alive. I would have never been friends with him. But he's just on the fringe of it. And it catches his his side. It blows a bunch of his gear off. His leg and hip is just destroyed, blown apart. And he talked about praying at that point. And he said he knew that, that God had comforted him and he knew he was going to live to see his son. How he knew that, I don't know. But that was his testimony. A couple of his guys run across the road, snatch him up. The German 88 continues to fire. The... German infantry is maneuvering on them in a counterattack. So they scoop him up. They run him to the back, to the basically the other side of a, a building or a courtyard. Another guy grabs him, but they throw him on the hood of a Jeep, not strapped down or anything. The Jeep takes off across a potato field, full bore. Well, guess what's happening to the Jeep? The Jeep is being fired upon, and as Forey's trying to hang on, he's blown apart. They go across the potato field up over the hill. The guys never see him again. That's it. It's like what happened to Forrest Johnson. So after Forey was wounded and evacuated off the battlefield on 10 November 1944 from Amonvillers, France, he went into the hospital, recovery, came home. He tried to pick up his life when he got home. He had a son, and his son had lived with his grandparents, which would have been Forey's mom and dad. So as when Forey came home, he tried to connect with his son. Well, his son didn't really see him as dad because he'd been gone after the hospital recovery and whatnot and all the time in service. He'd been gone nearly four years. So the boy saw grandpa as the father figure. So that was a real struggle um, and then just struggling to being back. But one of the absolute highlights of his life, which he talked about often, like this was like one of his best memories of his life, was the 95th Infantry Division Reunion, 1950. So this would have been five years after the war. They had it in Chicago. And somehow, before he found out about it, so they haven't talked since 10 November 1944. Here comes the reunion in 1950. Forey shows up. And he sees a whole bunch of his friends. And what a story we're hearing, folks. And when we come back, the story of Fari Johnson continues here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country, and especially the stories of America's rich past, know that all of our stories about American history, from war to politics to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. And we return to Our American Stories and Jason Porter telling us the story of his friend and hero, 
World War II veteran Fari Johnson. Jason picks up the story in 1950 as Fari walks into a reunion full of his old buddies, men who thought that Fari was killed in action fighting Nazis back in 1944. Fari walks up behind him and says, what kind of clown outfit is you guys around here? And those guys turn around like they are just going to belt somebody. And they turn around and see Forey Johnson, their platoon member, the guy that they'd seen get blown up in 1944. They haven't seen him since then. <laughs> he described how they just hugged him and just it was just an incredible, incredible reunion. He said they drank a lot of beer, had a lot of fun, talked about... Uh, you know, things that happened on the battlefield after Forey was hit, who survived, who didn't survive. So one of the things that they did is they had a gigantic Nazi flag. If you've seen the giant red flag with a big white background with a swastika in the middle of it, they had a huge one of them that they had pulled off of Gestapo headquarters in Ham, Germany. Somebody brought this flag out, and over the course of the reunion that was held at this hotel, all the surviving members of his company signed that flag. And that would have been I Company, 375th Regiment of the 95th Infantry Division. So when I met Forey, nearly 50, 60 years later, as members of his company began to dwindle, over the time, that flag, each guy would have it for a while, and they'd maybe get a, give a talk at a VFW post, a elementary school, stuff like that. So when I met Forey, he had the flag. It was his turn to have the flag. And every now and then, he'd bust it out, and we'd, we'd look at it. We'd look at the names on it. One time, we tried to call a couple of the guys on the, on the flag. You know, this is kind of pre-Facebook and stuff. It was a little harder to find guys, so it was just kind of a touchstone of of the war and and his guys and to see their names written on it because it, it'd be all the guys that he would talk about i'm like oh there he is and obviously a lot of the guys aren't on it they're dead so through the course of the years and my friendship with him every year for would invite me to go to the division reunion well then the division reunion it got to there was just nobody there 2012 i talked to Forey. i said Forey that flag really needs to be in the museum. He's like, well, it's not my flag. I can't give it away. Okay. Well, I'm not pushing them or anything, but I'm like, I don't really want to just see it stuffed under a bed or something. Like when you're gone, it, it, it should go somewhere as it means something. So he agreed to bring it to the national world war II museum in new Orleans. And at this time, there was three guys from his company that were still alive. I set up a meeting with the curator at the museum. I'm like, hey, these veterans are coming in. They have this flag. I told them the background of the flag. You know, they want to pass it off to you. So I pack up 4A Johnson, bring him on flight. He's in a wheelchair. I'm pushing him all through security. You know, it, it's quite a chore to get him down there. Once we get down there, Hal Smith and his wife, they roll in, I think, on a motorhome. And the other guy, he comes in. And they're just hanging out and talking. And they have the flag. And the next day at noon or one o'clock, we're going to turn the flag over to the museum, right? So I sit back and I just basically serve these guys, bring them sandwiches, bring them drinks. And they're just, they're talking about the war, their life. You know, they're old men, but they're talking like they're 
22. And they are, although 65 some years had passed, they are still brothers. They're bonded by their time in service and, and what they did together. So the time is approaching. I'm like, all right, guys, you know, hey, it's 11 o'clock. At 1 o'clock, we got to be at the museum. Right, guys? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, good, good. Get us another beer. I'm like, all right. And it gets down to one hour. And I'm like, all right, guys, in, a, in, a, in an hour, you know, we we need to start pack up and, and go. And the museum's ready to to receive us. And, and I'm like, all right, guys, half hour, you know, let's let's wrap it up. And uh, I don't remember which one. I want to say it was for you. He turned around. He's like, tell them we're not coming. We'll decide next year. <laughs> The guys didn't want to break up the meeting. They didn't want to give up the flag. They said, decide next year, because that gave them a reason to see each other again. Because if they gave up the flag, they didn't have an excuse to meet up the next year. And well, unfortunately, there was no next year, because by that time next year, they were all gone. And Forey was the last man to have the flag, and he was the last one from that unit to be alive. Forty Johnson lived several blocks from church where my wife and I attended church and I would go down the road and, and visit Forty, have coffee, have breakfast. And one day I walked up to his house, the screen door was open. He had his breakfast in front of him and he was in the middle of praying and he was praying out loud. So I just kind of paused. I didn't want to barge in on him or interrupt him. And I couldn't help but overhearing him a little bit. And it was, it was amazing to hear him. Just sim- simple prayers of, of an elderly man talking to God. And he thanked God for saving his life in World War II. His little boy that was four or five years old and came back, he later died when he was very, very young. And he talked about wanting to see his son. He talked about his surviving children and wanting them to know God and know Christ. And the line I always remember is like, help me do good stuff and not bad stuff. Amen. And I paused for a minute and then I walked in and said, hey, Jason, how are you doing? Get the coffee, this and that. So after the New Orleans uh, handing off the flag incident, where we didn't actually hand off the flag, I believe it was the following summer. I get a random phone call. It's a voicemail from Forey. It said, hey, why don't you and Valerie come over? Bring the kids. Bring your swim trunks. We're going to have a party. And uh, it's on Tuesday afternoon at 4. You know, who has a party at 4 in the afternoon on a Tuesday? Well, Forey did. And he's like, I'm, I, I want to see you guys. I'm getting down to the end, you know, and, and uh, I want to see you. And then he just abruptly hung up the phone. And... I ro- he lived he lived at a T intersection. I rolled up there on Tuesday afternoon at four, and I'm not kidding you. There was cars lining the street, both sides of the street, all three directions for two blocks at this guy's house. Ninety some year old man. It was his kids, his grandkids, his great grandkids, all of his friends that he worked with at GM. All of his guys that were still alive from the, the, the veterans group. It was absolutely packed. You almost needed, uh, you know, traffic control there. I couldn't believe it. And I was, I was so happy. And he was very happy. 
And one of the things he said, he was, we were sitting around talking. He's like, Hey, why does everybody wait for the funeral to do this? And I think he kind of knew that was in August. And then he died January 1st. It was just so, so wonderful to see all those people turn out for him. It was just a real privilege to know, to know him. It's like those, him and all, all of his peer group were my heroes and getting to spend that time was valuable because, you know, when I met all those guys in, in the early 2000s, you know, 10 years later, they're, they're not around. We don't get to hear their voices anymore. You know, he certainly wasn't a perfect guy or anything, but he was very, very genuine and, uh, he was my best friend, you know, although we were 50 some years separated, he was my best friend for a long time. And, uh, I miss him. And you've been listening to Jason Porter talking about his friend, Fari Johnson. And Jason made an important decision that one day when he decided not to just say hello and move on to that old guy sitting there with a hat that indicated he fought in World War II. He got to know him. And a special thanks to Shiloh Carroza, who is a Hillsdale graduate and does special work for us, bringing us stories like these, just beautiful stories. Fari Johnson's story, in a way, Jason Porter's too, here on Our American Stories. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, 
how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Our American Stories, and up next... We bring you a story of how one devoted Marx Brothers fan went on to uncover a long-lost Marx Brothers movie. Here's Steve Stolier to tell us his story. I'm currently a screenwriter and author and also do voiceover work. But I was not always in the business, although I was always interested in show business. When I was a, but a small child in St. Louis, which is where I was born, uh, I would see I Love Lucy episodes where wherever Lucy and Desi would go, they seemed to run into famous celebrities. So I assumed that's what Los Angeles or Hollywood was like. Our family moved to LA when I was pushing eight years old, and on the airplane uh, that we took, uh, Andy Griffith was sitting several rows in front of us, and Red Skelton was sitting in the row directly in front of us. And so I thought, wow, it really is like I Love Lucy. There's celebrities everywhere. We haven't even landed in Hollywood, and there's two stars who I know who they are and I watch their shows. This is cool. And Red Skelton was very cool. He kept entertaining my sisters and me the whole flight. For me, he kept one of those little, those pop guns where you push the back and a cork on a string comes out. He had that tucked into his suit jacket. And every now and again, he would just turn around and shoot me with his pop gun. This was, of course, before there were any uh, airline safety restrictions. I don't know that you could bring a pop gun onto a plane now, but in 1962, there was no problem with it. So I had already met two famous people by the time our, our plane touched down. Uh, as I say, I've always had a fascination with famous people, and specifically the Marx Brothers, and then within that subset is Groucho, my favorite of the Marx Brothers. 
I'm not sure exactly when I became aware of him slash them, but I did have an Uncle Joe in St. Louis who was balding, wore glasses, had a mustache, smoked a cigar, and wiggled his eyebrows. So that when I did discover the real Groucho, I thought, he's, he's just like Uncle Joe. That's interesting. And my parents <clears throat> used to quote lines from Marx Brothers movies, like being vaccinated with a phonograph needle. So when I finally discovered their films uh, and, and became aware that I am watching the Marx Brothers in this movie, that was probably around early high school. And I wondered where they'd been hiding all my life. And I wanted to see all their movies. And uh, this is perhaps difficult to grasp for the uh, Gen X and millennial generations. But we could not simply view what we wanted to view by punching it up on a device or even watching Turner Classic movies or even having the... DVD or videotape, I had to, we would get the TV guide each week and I would go through it with a pencil and I would circle the movies I wanted to see, which invariably were old movies that they put on in the wee twilight hours of the middle of the night, early morning, after Johnny Carson and after Tom Snyder's Tomorrow Show into that strange nether world of local car commercials and and I would just sort of will myself to stay awake um, I don't know how I did it I mean now I, I'll drift off on the couch at, at 10:30. but back then if they were showing monkey business starting at 2:48, I just made myself stay up and watch it and then I could knock that off my list of movies I had to see so it was very difficult trying to see them. And there was one, you know, I read whatever scant books there were and articles that came out about the Marx Brothers or Groucho. And I quickly became aware of the fact that their second film, Animal Crackers, which had been a very successful stage play in the late 20s, and then was their second film made at Paramount in 1930, uh, I hadn't seen that, and I wasn't able to see it because when Paramount sold their early films to MCA Universal in the late 50s, it included Animal Crackers, but because of basically uh, a, a technological error, it, they didn't renew the copyright on Animal Crackers, so the rights had reverted back to the authors and composers of the stage play. And for the longest time, Universal didn't think it was worth spending money on an old black and white Marx Brothers movie to clear the rights and reissue it. So it just became this phantom film. They, they owned it, but they couldn't show it. And in the meantime, they redistributed all of their early Paramount films and syndicated those in television and uh, you may have seen they would have that big shield at the beginning that would say a MCA TV release and I, I used to want to go up to the TV with a marks a lot and add an N after a MCA TV because it just bothered me but 
animal crackers was not included in that in those packages so it was this great unseen marx brothers film uh and it was supposed to have been one of their best i mean groucho played captain spaulding so his theme song hooray for captain spaulding came from that a lot of his quoted lines like i shot an elephant in my pajamas came from that and when i graduated high school i began to attend UCLA first as a history major because I really didn't think you could make any kind of living in entertainment unless you were just astonishingly talented and had endless perseverance and I didn't put myself in either of those categories. So while I continue to love watching old movies and study up on all these people, uh, I, I figured I would be a history major and maybe teach history, something like that. And I saw that a print of Animal Crackers was going to be shown at a Revival House Theater in Orange County in December of 73. And I wasn't sure how they were able to show it, but I didn't care. and all of my friends piled into one car. This was also during a, a gasoline crisis, an oil crisis, when gas was being rationed, but we didn't mind blowing most of a tank of gas to be able to finally see this missing link in the Marx Brothers' small cannon. And you're listening to Steve Solier, and he is telling the story of the lost Marx Brothers film. And by the way, it is a small canon, but if you do get a chance, it is easy to see these movies now. By the way, there was a time when it was impossible. You just had to wait for them to appear on TV, and you did have to read that TV guide. And I remember circling all my favorite things, too, and all of Americans did. And that was it. That was it. And by the way, duck soup, animal crackers, and horse feathers with a way to go. And watch it with the kids. It's the cleanest and yet most subversive comedy you'll ever see. A lot like what they were doing with Wiley Coyote and Bugs Bunny and just delightful, clever stuff. And they were never pushing a line, and yet they were. When we come back, more with Steve Stolier, his story about a missing Marx Brothers movie, here at Our American Stories. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back with our American stories and Steve Stolier's story. And we've learned that due to a filing error, animal crackers had become unavailable to the public. When we last left off, Steve had found a bootleg copy that was being shown about 40 minutes away from his home. And he and his friends from college, well, they hopped in a car in the middle of a gas shortage to finally cross this film off their bucket list. Let's return to Steve. I mean, they only made 12 or 13 movies in, in, in all, so it was a substantial coup to be able to finally see Animal Crackers. It was a terrible print. It was a bootleg dupe of a dupe, and, and the images were murky, and the sound was muffled. We couldn't hear it very clearly. But the point was, oh, my God, we're watching Animal Crackers. I, didn't, I, I figured that you couldn't find Groucho's name in the phone book and just call him up to tell him that it was playing. But from looking through the Beverly Hills phone book, I did know that Harry Ruby was in the Beverly Hills phone book. Harry Ruby had co-written the songs for Animal Crackers and had also 
worked as a writer on uh, several of the early Marx Brothers films and was one of Groucho's closest friends. So I called him up and uh, he didn't answer, but a nurse answered and took my name and phone number. And I think if he himself had answered, none of what transpired would have taken place because he wouldn't have had my name and number. It was just a matter of conveying to him to tell Groucho that it was playing at this, that Animal Crackers was playing in Orange County. But because she took my name and number, I got a call from Harry Ruby, which at the time was one of the most exciting things that ever happened to me because this was one step removed from Groucho himself and I had a nice chat with him about several things and he said well I'll tell Grouch about this and I thought oh my god he's going to tell my hero about this and I called all my friends and told them and then New Year's Day of 74 I got a phone call from a woman named Erin Fleming and I'd kept up on articles about what Groucho was up to and I knew she was very close to Groucho. She had sort of become his manager and she had arranged a series of one-man shows in 1972 where Groucho would transfix the audience for 90 minutes or so and take home a bunch of money. I did attend the one in LA in December 72 and was able to see Groucho at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. My friend and I were sitting towards the back. Our tickets were $9.50, which was a fortune and would not even pay for parking now at the Dorothy Chandler. But be that as it may, and he was quite old and frail, which was, a, it really took the wind out of me to see him that way because the press had led me to believe that good old Groucho at 80 something or other, just as sharp as ever. And instead, this old man shuffled out and said, I want to take a bow for Hoppo and for Chico because without them, I wouldn't be here tonight. And he read off cue cards, but it was still just electrifying realizing that I was in the same room as Groucho and I clapped so hard my hands stung the next morning because I wanted, <clears throat> I know this sounds weird, but I wanted vibrations from my applause to reach his eardrums because I knew that was as close as I was ever going to get to him. So anyway, getting back to January of 74, when I got this call from Aaron Fleming, she had been on stage with Groucho at the evening with Groucho, and she had gotten the message from Harry Ruby about animal crackers. And what she wanted to know was, how could they show it? How was it legal for them to show it? What, how did they get the rights to it? How did they? And of course, I didn't know any of this. I was just this kid that was a Marx Brothers fan. And she wanted to take me with her to Universal Studios to go up to the office of Sidney J. Scheinberg, the president of Universal, as sort of an exhibit A of a kid who would drive all the way to Orange County to see animal crackers. And so she was hoping that that would make the difference and then Universal would clear the rights and re release the movie. I was skeptical, but I was flattered all to hell that she wanted to be in touch with me. 
and she and Groucho had to they had to go because uh, they were going to see Woody Allen's sleeper. Uh, also, while I was on that call, I said, while I have you here, I wanted to, something has been on my mind for a while. Some of the books I've seen say Groucho was born in 1895 and others say 1890, and I wondered which one was the real date. And she said, just a minute, Groucho, what year were you born? And in the distance, I hear 1890. And she said, did you hear? And I said, yes. And I thought, oh my God, he's in the room with her. I can't handle this. I talked to friends and we thought it would be a better idea rather than just having this one kid try to argue the case to re-release the movie, I would form a committee at UCLA, a petition drive, and we would get hundreds or thousands of signatures from like-minded young people that we would want to see this movie and would pay to see it if it came out. So. Some friends and I formed the Committee for the Re-Release of Animal Crackers. We set up a table on Bruin Walk, which is where all of the causes had tables for either gay rights, ending the war in Vietnam. And then you had this group of kids trying to get an old Marx Brothers movie off the shelf. And people were so suspicious about signing the petition. You know, this was right, right during Watergate and Someone said, you know, is the government going to get a copy of this? Does the FBI get a copy? No, no, it's just, the, do you have to be a registered voter? Do I have to print and put No, it's just to get this move. And I was staying in touch with Aaron Fleming, and she arranged for Groucho to come to UCLA and alerted the press about our cause. And sure enough, in spring of 1974, Aaron and Groucho came to UCLA. I said, Groucho, I am very happy to be meeting you after all this time. And he said, well, you should be. And Aaron said, this is Steve Stolyer. He's the one trying to get Animal Crackers re-released. And Groucho said, well, did you get it? And I said, not, not uh, yet, but we're working on it. And he said, you better or I'll fire you. And I said, I didn't realize I was working for you. How much are you paying me? And he said, a little less than nothing. And it was just this most remarkable pinch me, is this really happening? We sat side by side answering reporters' questions about the movie. And I remember one, one reporter said, uh, Mr. March, what is the purpose of your appearance here today? And he said, I expect to get lunch. And she said, but but besides that, I may get dinner. So there was still a lot of, you know, I was so disheartened after seeing how frail and old and shaky he was at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in, in 72. But here he was still being Groucho with his silliness and twisting phrases. And that was very heartening after having been disheartened. So we talked to press and they ran their stories and sure enough Universal relented and decided to reissue the film. They would show it in LA and New York and then be done with it. It's like here, here it is, go look at it, leave us alone. 
we have more important movies to worry about. It had a re-premiere at the UA Westwood and I went in a tuxedo and my family went and the other members of the committee. It was like our night and Aaron and Groucho were there and we watched Animal Crackers, a fresh print, clear, you could see what was going on. And it ended up breaking the house record that had been set several years earlier by the French Connection. And it was very gratifying for me to be at a coffee shop in Westwood and look across the street and see a line of kids in t-shirts and blue jeans and tennis shoes waiting to pay money to see this Marx Brothers movie. What great storytelling and thanks to Robbie for bringing it to us and a special thanks to Steve Stolier. And by the way, to find out more, order Steve's book, Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's House. And there are a whole bunch more stories like this one. You can find it at Amazon or all the usual suspects. The story of Steve Stolier, his effort to get Animal Crackers re-released. His story, here on Our American Stories. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. 
Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.